phobias. Agilo, ag, agli, agliophobia. Agliophobia is the fear of pain. How many are afraid of pain? Hallelujah. Do you want do you want some more? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, what I want us to become is people who are not afraid. Amen. 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 You know, the Bible says that the righteous shall be bold as lions. Hallelujah. How many know that the lion is not the biggest animal? The lion is not the strongest animal. The lion is not the quickest animal. The lion is not the smartest animal. He is not the most cleverest animal in the animal kingdom. But yet the lion is the king of the jungle for a reason. Because the lion is not afraid. Are you with me? The lion is not afraid. You see, they say something that if you take a a leader, let's say a bunch of cowards led by a fearsome and courageous leader will always overcome a bunch of strong militant army led by a fearful leader. <laughs> Shall I say it again? A bunch of fearful people led by a strong and a courageous leader will always overcome a bunch of fearsome army led by a fearful leader. <laughs> Are you getting it? Yeah. Because it, it's, listen, it's about having the courage. Having some courage not to be afraid. Fear is something that paralyzes you. Fear is something that will inhibit you. It will not make you progress. And really, what are you afraid of? Nothing. The thing that you're afraid of, it's a shadow. Do you know the shadow is always bigger than the actual thing? The shadow of a thing looks big. Look at your, the shadow is bigger and longer and more fearful than the actual. So Paul says that me, for me to live is Christ. If I live, I am for Christ. If I die, I have gained. So why should I be afraid? That is the reason why Paul could do many more exploits for God. In this day and age, the reason why Islam is doing a lot more and expanding at a very fast rate, unlike Christianity, is because people that are worshipping in the mosque and Islam, they are very, very bold. Do you know Muslims don't fear death? Because them, for them, death is a matter of course. If they die, then it was because their death was today. If they, if today they die, it's because it was destined before time that they should die today. 
So they are not afraid to die. Amen. And when they are facing death, they say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. And God is great. Because if I'm to die, to his glory. Because he's great. And that is how come they are achieving much more than Christians who are afraid. If anybody rises today and says that let no church open again on Sunday. If you open, you go to jail. The whole Christian dorm will close down. <laughs> yeah. How many understand what I'm saying? We will, we will pray because everybody is afraid. Amen. But you see, fear is of Satan. Fear is not of God. He doesn't give us that spirit. He gives us the spirit of boldness, of power, of love. So I am praying that all of us will become very, very bold. Are you with me? Become bold. Amen. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Become bold. Become bold. What are you afraid of? Let's analyze fear. What is the worst that can happen? What is the worst that can happen? You'll be embarrassed, number one. And if you're embarrassed, so what? As we are standing there, then my belt just falls down, the trousers falls, and then I'm naked. So what? Are you getting what I'm saying? The thing that makes people par- oh, don't, don't, don't worry about the vision. <laughs> just, just, just flow with me. Yeah. Your name is disgrace. So what? Are you the first? Hmm? You fail. So what? Everybody who has succeeded in anything has failed before. You won't be the first or the last to fail. Are you getting it? What's the worst? You die. If you die, to be absent with this, from this body is to be present with God. And it's better there anyway. Amen. It is the best opportunity. Let him go. That's the best opportunity for you to get a better person. I will be alone. Oh, it will be the best opportunity to discover yourself. Oh, you are not understanding what I'm trying to say. You are not understanding what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll be alone. Ah, Everybody will see that I'm divorced. Yes, so you are not the first. How I'll be brokenhearted. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And. Listen, I'll give you the microphone. You can continue the sermon. Matthew 16. <laughs> Matthew 16. You see, these are the people that then you give them the microphone, they won't be able to say anything. <laughs> Verse 13. <laughs> when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of heads, heads shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Amen. And I said to you the last time, we're looking at, we are looking at leadership, really, and we are looking at leadership from the standpoint of Peter. Amen. Peter was one of the twelve. Peter was not the first disciple to be called. In fact, Peter himself or, or Simon was introduced to Jesus by his younger brother, Andrew. Are you with me? He was not the first. But a statement was made. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to you, you are the person on which I will build the church. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus found some qualities in Simon, in Simon Peter, or he found some qualities in the guy that he himself did not know that he, he possessed. To start with, his name was Simon, and Simon meant unstable as water. And I said to you last week that nobody will make an unstable person their leader. Are you with me? And can you imagine if you, if you are in a church, the pastor today, I am the pastor tomorrow, you come and I'm not here. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. So come to church on Sunday, they say pastor is at home. Pastor has refused to come to church because he says that from today he's no more the pastor. Then the next day you see me doing evangelism. Then the next day you see me, I'm, I'm, I'm with the girls and the boys smoking in the park. And drinking in a pack, and I'm crossing the road drunk. Then the following, the next day, you come to church, and I'm standing here preaching. How many of you will continue coming to a church like this? <laughs> it's like run for your life ministry. <laughs> Are you getting what? I mean? Nobody would like all. How many of, of, of the, the ladies here would like a husband? Today he says, I am a husband. The next day, I'm not sure. he says, I think I'm gay. <laughs> and he goes to bring a boy to the house. Then the next time he comes, he says that now I've changed. I'm, I'm now a woman. Then he comes again. He says, now I am straight again. It's like today is this, the next day he's that, the following day is that. He's unstable. Today he's doing business. The next day he's doing he's in school. The next day he has started. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. How, how many understand what I'm trying to say? He, he said, This is 
is not a very step. You cannot build your life on such a person. Because the person is so unstable that your life is at risk if you follow him. Amen. If you are going to sit in a car and the car has no brakes, no headlights. <laughs> you, you, you must have a certain screw loose to comfortably sit in a car like that. I know some young girls who used to do that. They used to sit, some people are here, they used to sit in cars that don't have brakes. <laughs> God should for, forgive all of them. And so when they get to the, the roundabout, they have to go round about five times to slow the car down before they can, because there's no brake. The car has no brake. <laughs> yeah. You see, and, and funny enough, those type of boys that used to drive those type of cars, up to now, they are still behaving like that. Still not stable. Still not stable. How many know that after a certain after a certain age, when you don't straighten up, you look funny. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? After a certain age, you, you can't do childish things anymore. You have to straighten up and sit up. Amen. Amen. But in spite of all this, these things, God, Jesus could see some qualities in this guy, Simon. I'm telling us in this room that in spite of the, all the qualities, that the, the instabilities, the wrong things that you're doing, there is a leader inside of you. There's a leader hiding inside of you. And if only you allow God to bring it out, you become a rock. Hallelujah. All of us, we have something that we don't even know we have. Inside of us. And you see, it takes a leader to identify leadership in, in anybody. I told you last week that nobody's born a leader. And no temperament guarantees you to be a good leader. But there is always something that somebody will identify. So when somebody identifies something in you and says that you can do something, believe in the person. Believe in what they are saying. Because they can see, you can see. Do you know that Simon could not see what was inside of him? Because inside of him he saw an unstable person. But Jesus was very affirmative when he said that you are Peter, that's I've changed your name. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Which means that hell's strongest power, hell's, hell's strongest arsenal, hell's strongest you know, intelligence cannot defeat this, this church that I'm going to build on you. Amen. Can you imagine God saying that to you? That on you, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Me, with all my weaknesses, with all my somewhereness, with all the faults that I, I have, can God build a church or build something good inside of me? Yes, he can do that. He's God. Amen. So we looked at the, some of the qualities that Peter had which separates him and marks him out for leadership. 
Amen. Remember the story we read in uh, Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. I don't want to read it again. Yeah? Let's, let's, let's look at it very quickly. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. The Bible says that. So it was as the multitude pressed about to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake Genesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake. Amen. Amen. The word two boats standing by the lake means that God always has an alternative. Mm, I don't know whether you saw it. Which meant that if Peter was not willing, somebody else would have been willing. Do you know that in, in any leadership position is somebody who has been displaced? Oh, I don't think you understood what I'm saying. In any leadership position is somebody who has been displaced. In any wife's position is a lady who has been displaced for you to come. And it also means that if you form the fool, you can be replaced. You didn't understand that. I don't think you understood what I said. Can I, can I say it again, what I said? Because I don't think Seth was trying to. He, he cracked the joke at the wrong place. Listen. You are a replacement of somebody. Which also means that you can be replaced by somebody else. It also means that you, you are a replacement of a previous mister. Who should have been? Uh, which also means that you can also be replaced. To stand the pulpit that I'm standing behind it, it is somebody's pulpit. Who should have stood here? But they didn't stand. So somebody has taken a place. So now that I have taken a place, I have to be very wise to know that this thing, I can easily be replaced. There's always two boats. There's not just one boat. There's always two boats. Look at your neighbor and say, there's always two boats. Which means that you can easily be replaced. You can easily be a substitute. Or, or sub, somebody can substitute you. Have you seen football? When you are playing and they go. <laughs> or they start flashing on the board. You see, I was watching the game. Uh, was it uh, Ghana versus Tunisia? And the last minute, last second, they said to one goalkeeper who had been in it from, for uh, 120 minutes. He was in the goal, 120 minutes. Very, very good goalkeeper. He did very well. In the last minute, they said, you, come out. He said, no, I won't come out. They said, come out. He said, no. He said, you see, if God says, come out, you can't say no. <laughs> Have you seen somebody who said, I'm not dying today? <laughs> And holding on to the bed. You'll be holding on to the bed before you know you are in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the time comes, you cannot say, I will not be changed. 
It it means that all of us must be humble. Amen. Be humble. Even in that high position you occupy, occupy it with humility because you can easily be replaced. Hallelujah. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Occupy it with humility. Don't think that as for me, no one can replace me. You are lying. Remember Vashti? Vashti was the queen. She was so beautiful. She trusted in her beauty. She trusted in the position. Even to the point that she forgot that that position she was occupying. Somebody had made. That message that you are parading about. Somebody made you a message. And when that person called Vashti, come and dance. Say me. Come and debase myself here when you are drunk. You must be out of your rocker. Mm. So the king said, okay, if I'm out of my head, I'll show you how people are out of their head behave. From today, you are no longer the queen. It was just a statement, and that was it. And that was it. From that point, we never heard of Vashti again. Vashti just disappeared to the sunset. And her place was taken by Esther. As if Esther was there from beginning to the end. Amen. Incidentally, your your replacement always does a better job than you. (laughs) You you didn't like that. Okay. So, he saw two boats standing by the lake. And the fishermen had gone out from them and washing their nets. He got into one of them. Which means it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be used by God. I say it's a privilege. He could have easily have gotten into the James and John's um, boat. It just, I don't know why he chose Peter's. It just could be that maybe that was the first one there. Or it could be that that was the one that was a little unoccupied. Or that was the one that had a spare seat or something. No, I, nobody knows why. But he jumped into one of the boats. Which was Simon's. It's very important. That boat could have been John's. That boat could have been Matthew's. The Bible says that which was Simon's. He had the privilege. Listen, to be sat in this room, listening to what I'm saying today is a privilege. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. You didn't hear what I said. To be sat in this room, to hear what you are hearing, is a privilege. God has just given us the privilege to hear this. He sat in a boat, which was Simon's. It could have been anybody's. And you see, that was what opened Simon up to be Peter. And that's what has given Peter a name that over 2,000 years onwards, up to today, we still name our children Peter. We still call people Peter. In fact, the legend says that in heaven's gate, when you get there, it is Peter who is going to hold the gate. I don't know. It's obviously in the Bible. But it's something that they say that he will be the first one to interrogate you. And say whether you come in or not. (laughs) It's not in the Bible. I haven't seen it in the Bible, but it's something that they said. Are you with me? But it's just a privilege that he never worked for. He was just washing his net. 
just as the other guys. I believe that there were not just two boats on the lake. Because I come from a, a seaside. And there's never a solitary boat at the landing bay. Are you with me? There is always a fleet of them. Usually they go to uh, the sea at night and they come in the morning. And when they come, all of them come together at the same time. So I can imagine about 18 to 50 boats were there. And Jesus was walking by the lakeside, which means that he probably had walked past a few boats. Walked past a few and then he just picked one. He didn't ask anybody, is this yours? Is this yours? Is this yours? Is this yours? No, he just picked one and he sat on it. And the Bible said it was Simon's. Privilege. Listen, the microphone I'm holding is a privilege. Where I'm standing is a privilege. He could have picked out of the seven or eight billion people, could have picked anyone to sit stand here. So now if I'm standing here, I have to be very humble. And I have to be very mindful of the fact that it's just a privilege. Hallelujah. So I don't have to lord it over anybody. Amen. Oh, I said amen. Amen. And he asked him to push out a little from the land. You know, God will always initially ask you to do something which is small, but it's the bait. It's a test. The Bible says, if you won't be faithful in little, then if you are not faithful in little, who will give you much? Do you know that the worst thing you can ask a fisherman who has been to sea all night is to push the boat out again. You know, for, for those of you who have never been to the sea, seaside, let me show you. The, 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 the greatest effort that you need is pushing the boat from the sand into the, the water needed. Because the sun has a way of anchoring and gripping the, the, the boat. And to push it, it means it takes a lot of effort and energy. You see, the effort and energy that we need to push our boat a little is just the bait that God needs to see what's in your heart. Uncle William, push your boat a little out to Bradford. Uh, why have you decided to ask me to leave? It's because you don't like me. That's why you're let, letting me go. You know, one day, I, just like I asked you to go to Bradford, one day I asked a pastor, one, one of my young men, I said, I want you to go. There was a church. As for now, he, that one is not even a starting church. It was already started. They needed a pastor. I said, brother, from today, don't come here every Sunday. Go here. He went home. Said, I've always told you Pastor Chris doesn't like me. 
I've always told you, Pastor Chris, that didn't like me. He looked at everybody in the church and told me that I shouldn't come here again. I should go to that place. Why me? He got very angry. Then he and his wife, you know when they plan, after they've had a conversation at home and they come, one came to see me, Pastor. My wife and I have decided that uh, we, we, we cannot... We cannot go. This is our church. We want to stay here. I, I, I said, oh, you know me. I said, oh, be happy. Don't worry. Then immediately I called another brother. And I said to that brother, from today I want you to go to this church. You and your wife, don't come here again. Go there. I said, Thank you, pastor. And then he went. He got there. Same statement I gave to the first person. Same statement to the second person. He got there. And then when he got there, then he realized that he was the pastor of the church. So he started pastoring the church. Then the first guy went to his wife again and said that, you see, Pastor Chris doesn't like me. When he came to me, he said that I should go there. But when he went to that guy, he said that he should go there and be the pastor. If he had told me that I should go and be the pastor, that would have been a privilege. But for me, he said that I should go there. For him, he said I go and be the pastor. My new details. My new details. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I should have given details. No, the statement was very simple. Go there. The second person to the statement was the same. Go there. He went and became. This one said I won't go, and I left him. Meanwhile, he was my choice. The first person was my choice. But his mind was that I don't like him. So anything I'm going to ask him to do is because I want to victimize him. You see, your, your point of view depends on where you are standing. When you have that mind that I'm not liked, everything you see is that I'm not liked. Yeah. Meanwhile, he was my favorite. That particular boy was my favorite. So as soon as they said, you see, we send our favorites. We don't send our, we send our best out. Yeah. That's how it is. Because you are going to represent me. So I won't send the rubbish out. Are <laughs> 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 you getting it? But he, to him, I am not liked. Peter could have had the same attitude. Why me? Why do you want to disturb me? We've all gone to work. We've all done nights. You see that all of us are tired. And then you come and sit in my boat. You are not even satisfied with that. You say, I should push. Can you not sit in the boat and talk? And you see, as I'm pushing now, nobody's helping me. I'm the only one pushing. And I'm going. And you see, all these guys are sitting there and looking at me. And I'm the only one pushing. If you like me, you'd have said, said, said that the people should come and help me. Then the Bible never said that he told Simon and uh, John and, and uh, Andrew to help. He said, Simon, push. Trust a little. Amen. Amen. I'm showing leadership qualities. See, it shows the leadership quality. He didn't complain. He obeyed instantly. He had an obedient heart. Hallelujah. See, sometimes the, the choices that God will choose 
The person God will choose. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But when you look at it carefully, you see that there is something. These people, they, they, they have. Can you see? There's never one boat. Are you getting it? Never one boat. And look at all these boats. They've gone to uh, the sea and they've come back. Look how hard it is to move the boat, one person, from here into the sea. And you see, when you get to the beach, uh, the, the, the beach, the first, the waves that come, they are resistant to your force. As you are pushing, they are also pushing you in. You are pushing, they are pushing you in. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I said, trust it out a little so I can sit and talk. Amen. 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 And when he had, you see, now Simon has obeyed. He sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And when he had stopped talking, he said to Simon, launch into the deep. As, as if it's not enough. You have disturbed me. You have asked me to push the boat whilst I was tired. My net that is, is breaking that I'm trying to mend. I've just finished mending it. You see, I should put it back into the water. And see, the place that they were, it was not a deep place. Because the Bible said, he said, trust it out a little. So it's just a little from the shore. And he says that, put it in the, put your net. Experienced fisherman knows that you don't catch fish by the beach, by the seaside. No, you've got to go deep. Even the Bible says that they that want to see the wonders of God, they must go into the deep. And then you say, I should, try, I should put my, my net here. And collect, and collect what? You know, there are stones, shells, and all those type of things. Sometimes it looks like you are being picked on. How many understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it looks like you are being picked on. Do this, do this, do this, do this. I'm tired. Never have that attitude. Because the day you say I'm tired, somebody else is replacing you. Elijah said, I'm tired. God said, ah, move. I'm the only one. I'm tired. Even when they seek my life and move to the left. Immediately he saw his replacement. So all of us as we are, we are sitting here, our replacement are trotting by the wings. They are waiting. They are waiting to collect the microphone from me. They are waiting. They are, you see, when you are playing football and you are, I don't want to run and chase this ball, I'm tired. Your replacement is... <laughs> he, 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 he's just going like that. <laughs> ah, if you don't know... <laughs> I will replace, and when I replace, and see, when they replace and they play well, the next day they are coming in, which means that you don't start again. Then you, have now, you now have to go and wait and hope that something bad happens to them. <laughs> but Simon answered and said, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, have that nevertheless attitude. At thy word. Then when he had done this, he caught a great number of fish and their 
net began breaking. Then he signaled, so they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled the both boats and they began to sink. I can, I can have a whole camp with this verse, but I won't go there. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boat to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Hallelujah. So we started looking at 10, 10 things, isn't it? Yes. 10 lessons from Simon. The first one we looked on at was what? When Jesus calls, you need to answer immediately. Amen. You need immediate response. Know that every call is an opportunity. I said every call is an opportunity. The day you are invited to do something is an opportunity. Don't waste it. Oh, you don't, you don't get what I'm saying. You are invited to do something for the church. Do something. Take it. I remember once I just joined the church. And I was just the keyboardist in the church. The one day the music director was moved and the pastor came. From today, I want you to lead the choir. You know, as he was saying this, before the music director left, the sister was the one who was like always doing it on behalf of the music director, the brother. So she thought that definitely and naturally I'm the one to be to take this position. But the pastor came and said, No, not you, but you. I said, Okay. That is what has brought me where I'm standing today. If I had not taken it, I can guarantee you I'll be standing here. Because, you see, the Bible says, then shall we know when we follow on to know. Following God, he always gives you one opportunity. Then another opportunity. Then another opportunity. Then another. But, you see, you don't know the, 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 the route that is. But it's like, when you get to a certain point and look back, then you can say, ah, from here. He took me here. Then 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 he took me here. And that is what has brought me here. Are you getting it? Yeah. Because I could have easily said no. This girl is already doing it, so why don't you let her do it? Because when I took it, the girl formed a gang against me. <laughs> so the other opposition. <laughs> immediately she formed the rock of unity because her house was where we were doing the rehearsal. So immediately she formed the rock of unity against me. And that lady too, she's, she's very, 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 very strong. Very strong. 
<laughs> Number two, God wants to develop what? A close relationship with us. That is all. You see, leadership is about God drawing you close to him. That's all. Look, look at this scripture with me. Numbers 27, 12. Now, the Lord said to Moses, go up to the mountains, Mount Abraham and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when, he, he, and when you have seen it, you, will all, you shall also gather your people. You shall gather to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against me, my command to, ha- to hallow me at the waters before thy eyes. These were the waters of Meribah in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirit of all flesh set a man over the congregation whom, who may go out before them and go in before them. Who may lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Then the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua. Someone say take Joshua. Take Joshua. The son of Nun with you. A man in whom is the spirit. And lay your hands on him. Amen. Set him before Eliezer the, the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate him in thy sight. And you shall give some of the authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Are you getting it? Now, Moses is about to check out. And God says, go, go and die. So he's going to die. And then Moses turns around and says to God, so as I'm going, who is going to take charge of these people? Who is going to lead these people? Who is going to lead these people? Remember all this while, his personal assistant had been Joshua. Remember it was Joshua, uh, Aaron, and Her. Three of the three guys. But Joshua was his personal assistant. And so when he said, find a leader, God said that, take the one you have had the close relationship, close fellowship, take him and let him lead. In case you're having another doubt, go to 2 Kings 3 with me, verse 11, verse 9, 2 Kings 3, 9. So the king of Israel went, to the, went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom and they marched on that roundabout route, six, six days, and there was no water for the army, for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called us, these three kings, together to deliver us to the hands of, the Mo- of Moab. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And so the servant of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. Who poured water on the hands of Elijah? Then, and Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. He said, is there not a prophet? We are looking for a prophet. And the, the servant said, ask for here. 
we don't have a prophet. We don't have a man of God. The only person we have here is uh, Elisha, who was the servant of uh, one prophet called Elijah. Immediately, Jehoshaphat said that if he had a relationship, a close relationship with Elijah, then he, the word of God is in his mouth. He is the, the person. Go and bring him. The, he is anointed. See, leadership is about relationship. You are, be very careful with anybody who calls himself a leader who's never had a relationship with any anointed person. Be afraid of that person. If anybody comes and says, that I'm a great prophet, I'm a great man of God, I'm a great woman of God, ask them, Where, who is your mother? Who is your father? Whose hand have you poured water? Is there anybody you can say that you poured water on? On their hands. If there's nobody like that, be afraid of that person. Amen. Because anointing is successionary. It is passed on. And it's usually passed on to close people who are close. See, when Jesus called the disciples, they were with him. And that's how come the anointing was transferred to, to, to them. Are you with me? When Moses was going, the anointing was with Joshua. Because Joshua was not a priest. Joshua was not a prophet. Are you with me? Joshua was a soldier. A soldier is different from a priest. How come the anointing didn't pass from from Moses to Eliezer. Because Eliezer was a priest. Are you with me? It could have gone from, uh, the, the anointing could have passed to uh, the sons of Aaron who were there at the time. But he said, no. The army general, he's the closest to me. God says that, let him come. Put your hand on him and anoint him. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Am I talking to somebody? To receive the anointing, you have to follow. You have to develop a close relationship. The anointing to lead, you must have followed a leader. If you are not a good follower, you can never be a good leader. Some people are very bad followers. And yet, they want to be given the opportunity to lead. Because you are, yes, you are following, all you are doing is criticizing. Like a mosquito. If, if I'm given the opportunity, I will show them. If you are, no, you will not be given the opportunity. And when you are given the opportunity, you do a bad job. Because you have never learned how to follow. And if you don't know how to follow, you can never lead anybody. Yeah. Jesus said, I'm a man. Uh, the, the centurion said, I'm a man under authority. So I have authority. Who is the one who talks into your life? Who is the one who you obey? Who is the one you listen to? If you don't have anybody you listen to, you cannot lead anybody. The place is quiet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Of any leader who has not followed or developed a close relationship with their father before. Be careful of such a person. 
Be careful of choosing a wife who has never been parented. Be careful of choosing a husband who has never been a son. I am my own person. I raised myself. Hey, be afraid of that person. <laughs> there must be somebody who can tell you, sit down. Somebody who can tell you, stop it. That is what's going to make you a good husband or a good wife. Amen. I, I, we went to church, a convention the other day, and uh, uh, the Apostle General gave uh, three quotes that I wrote down. I think it's a good place to, to share it with you. Write it down. He says, the battles of the sons are won on the altars of the father. I'll explain them to you. The battles of the son or the sons are won on the altars of the fathers. Number two, the victory of the fathers becomes the celebration of the sons. The victory of the fathers becomes the celebration of the sons. I'll explain them to you, don't worry. Number three, the failures of the fathers is the struggle of the children. Yeah? So number one, the battles of the sons are won on the altars of the fathers. Number two, the victories of the fathers become the celebration of the sons. And number three, the failures of the fathers is the struggle of the children. Right? So number one, the battles of the sons is won on the altars of the fathers. I think the best example for this particular phrase is Solomon. Solomon did so well and did, I mean, amazing things and achieved much, not because he fought. Solomon never fought any battle. Because all the battles had been fought by his father, David. So David didn't achieve as much. But on his shoulder, his son Solomon stood up and did amazing things. If you have a father, you will stand up and do amazing things. If you don't have a father, you have to start from the ground. By the time you finish conquering everybody, you are ready to die like David. You can't achieve much. (laughs) Are you getting it? So the battles of the sons are one on the altars, on the shoulders of the father. Are you with me? Yeah, because the son doesn't have to do much. He has to stand on the father's shoulder and rise. So you stand, your, your starting point is shoulder high. My starting point was at the ground, ground zero. But you don't start on ground zero, you start from here. But make sure that you don't dishonor your father. Because you are starting from here. Because if he had not done to stand, you won't get the height to stand on. I don't think you understood what I said. 
So you see, the, the, the churches, the churches that will come after after this church, the CICC pastors that will come, they will do better. They will do greater. But they must never put in their minds that they are powerful. <laughs> ah, that would be a great mistake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you have a shoulder to stand on. Amen. Yeah, you have a shoulder to stand on. You know, yesterday they started a chapel in uh, Manchester. Very easy. First starting, boom, they are 12, 13. It's like, wow, they are powerful. Man, I started my church for the first God knows how many months. It was myself and my wife. <laughs> We're doing convention in a room, just two people. <laughs> she leads praise and worship, I preach. <laughs> yeah, but that was starting from the ground. Number two. Can you two be quiet? Or if you want to talk, you can go to the foyer. Number two, the victories of the fathers become the celebration of the sons. My time's up. I haven't done much today. The victories of the fathers becomes the celebration. You see, when your father succeeds, that's what you boast in. Today we have a name that is above every other name. At the measure of which every knee bows. It makes us victorious. But that victory was won by our father Jesus. So his victory is our celebration. If he had not achieved that name, we would not have a name. At the measure of which every knee shall bow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Listen, never dishonor your father. If he never did anything for you, he took you to school. He gave you an education. He gave you life. When you were sick, he sold his cloth and took you to the hospital. Hallelujah. Never dishonor your parent. They could have easily <laughs> Number three, the failures of the fathers is the struggle of the children. I think I can Another use Solomon of, again. Solomon failed where women were concerned because it was a failure. You no, know, Solomon struggled where women was, were concerned because it was a failure of his father. The father never overcame. To the point that even when he was very old and they wanted to check whether he's still alive or he's about to die, they brought a beautiful woman to lie by him. When they saw that he couldn't do anything, they said, no, the the man is getting ready to go. (laughs) Now now the man is really getting ready to go. Because the failure of the father, the thing that the father
father could not overcome, the child will struggle with it. That is why as a father, you must try your best to overcome certain things. Because otherwise, your children will have to struggle with it. If you don't do well in life, your children will be, will, will be born with accommodation problems. Can you imagine a baby having accommodation problems, landlord problems, <laughs> and he's only two years old? <laughs> the landlord is about to throw him out. <laughs> Meanwhile, a baby, some babies are born and they have houses already. The struggles of the father. So the thing that you struggle with, when you fail, the child, the child has to struggle with it. So be determined to pass that test. I said, be determined to pass that test. Be determined to succeed in that area so that your children will not have to struggle with it.